This is a Techno Shaman's podcast. I'm your host, the Techno Shaman, and today we have Saeed Yunan as our guest. He's a world travel cutting edge DJ, producer, sought after remixer, and head of his own record label, Yunan Music. He's excelled as a true artist in the global dance scene and has persevered without resting on his laurels. Born in Iraq, but living in Washington, D.C. since the early 80s, Saeed Yunan grew up listening to a variety of ethnic music. As a result, his musical sound exudes a groovy drive that leaves a lasting resonance. His productions have been dubbed timeless by top DJs and even referred to as a change of heart for dance music. With numerous nominations, Saeed gained global recognition, which further allowed him to develop his sound. Saeed's performances are renowned for his technical abilities and precision. He effortlessly weaves and morphs tracks together into a seamless blend of house and techno, enhancing his music into a warm and sexy vibe while building momentum, allowing the music to ebb and swell. Before I introduce him, let's take a moment and breathe in through our nose and exhale through our nose. Without further ado, Saeed, how are you, sir? I'm feeling great after this little break. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Saeed, let's just jump right in. Um, first of all, thank you for doing this. Uh, let's just jump right in. Um, you, so you were born in Iraq, and you're currently based out of Washington, D.C. Since the early 80s, you grew up listening to uh, a variety of ethnic music, okay? And so how did this impact and shape your sound? Um, well, a lot of it, obviously... You know, as you mentioned earlier, I was uh, born in, in Iraq and you know, our, our music, as you can, you, you know yourself, it's very percussion driven. It's very, um, a lot of drums, you know, and it's, it's, it's very rhythmic, very, you know, it's got, it's got a drive in it, its own. And a lot of that just basically dive right into the music I'm producing. And I mean, my, my parents, they used to catch me in the living room when I was young and I with the little tape deck and, you know, record the, you know, have a tape in the tape deck and a record button on pause, ready to hit the record every time a music or something that I like. And then, um, and between all that, just, you know, growing up, listening to that music. And I usually, I used to tune into the, um, the channel on the radio that used to, uh, broadcast uh, American uh, music. So um, I used to listen to a blend of that and some Arabic music. And that's where all my music kind of shifted to where it is today. I think it's a lot of has to do with my childhood, the way I was brought up with the music. And I, I was always a big fan of percussion um, instruments and elements. So it's always been part of everything that I, that I did, even, you know, back when I started DJing, that's, you know, back in the day. So it's always been part of me. That's so fascinating. Um, I loved hearing that. Um, can you recall like your first introduction to electronic music and when you did, when did you, when you heard your uh, electronic music for the first time, when did you decide to pursue a career in it and how did that kind of evolve? Um, I was, let's see, I was in high school. Uh, well, first I started as a hip hop DJ. I, I, I was really a big fan of DJing. So the re in order for me to DJ, I had to play music that everybody you know, understood. So it was back in the early 80s, we're talking about like 88, 89, when I was in high school, I loved DJing. And the only way to play, you know, to play for people is I had to play hip hop because nobody, not even me, I didn't know about dance music back then. So I started out with hip hop DJing, but then I found a niche and I'm like, okay, I love DJing, but 
the music that I'm playing is not really, it's not in my heart. So um, I, I had these, you know, I had a couple of people that I knew somewhat when I was growing up. They took me to a dance club in D.C. called Chicago. And that was the first time I ever heard. Uh, it's funny that it's called Chicago. And it's the first time I heard house music. So it's kind of like, oh, man, you know, it's crazy. It's a club called Chicago's. I, first time I ever heard house music, it was actually hip house. So it was like, you know, hip hop mixed with house, uh, like um, Mr. Lee and Doug Lazy, that kind of stuff. And I was just blown away. I was like, I've never heard anything like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, if you can blend hip hop, if you can blend hip hop with house, this is, I can do this. Like I can actually introduce this to people because people in my high school, they just want to listen to hip hop. So I started blending in hip house with the hip hop and slowly just moved into dance music. And that's how I got introduced to it. And I just like fell in love with hip house to, to, as a start. And then um, how did Said and Palash come about? Um, for those of us that don't know the genesis of it. All right, so we, let's see, I went to uh, college. When I went to, I, so let, let's go back a little bit. Um, I've known Palash I, that, you know, we both kind of were shopping at the same record stores. You know, we both frequent the same clubs and, and started DJing almost at the same time. But we weren't really that good of friends until we found ourselves being at the same college. So we went to the same college. I started throwing events and I started asking Palash, hey, do you want to come play my parties? Like, yeah, sure. So I started throwing events. He plays my party. We became closer and closer, you know, uh, tied together. Then after college, we both kind of entertained the idea about maybe starting a label together, not necessarily being partners. We're like, look, we both love this music. Let's just start a, a record label together. So we launched Addictive Records right after we pretty much got out of college. And uh, that was like around 1998. We launched the label. And we started kind of producing music. We never intended to be a, you know, the Said and Palash partnership. We just like, hey, let's sit in the studio, let's let's make some music together. So we started releasing everything as, you know, as together as a duo. And all of a sudden, we started getting phone calls about people, hey, we want to book Said and Palash. Said and Palash is like, oh shit, you know, we should, we might as well make this a partnership. You know, it's working out. And that's how Said and Palash came about. So it's Addictive Records in 1998, literally almost right after uh, we started getting recognition we started touring a site in Palash. wow wow I, you know for me that's fascinating because some of my early records were site in Palash records and here we are today fascinating now how did you first uh get involved with Carl cox and and you know the maestro Carl cox touring with him playing with him what kind of experience was that like oh man that's well that that's a history in itself as well <laughs> um so the first time let, let's just like take it a little further back. I've I've known Carl. Well, I've known of Carl when we started out like Addictive Records. We used to go to Twilo a lot, and um, I used to you know go hear hear him and Danny Teneglia play together. So you know, but always had a vision of like seeing him playing with him and stuff like that. But uh, things kind of started kind of growing together um, in in a way where. Um, I send, aside from sending him music and giving him demos and stuff, we actually played together in Washington, D.C. Uh, I had opened up for him, and he was so impressed by what I played. He was actually in the green room the whole time. I didn't even know it. So this was a major club in D.C. So he, was, he showed up early, chilling in the green room while I'm DJing the whole time, not knowing he was already there pretty much for my entire set. I I finished playing literally the day after I got a message. He didn't have my email or number. He sent me a message through Facebook 
telling me how much he loved my set and that he wants to have me play with him in Vegas for his residency. And I was just like, you know, man, like you, you couldn't have asked for anything better than that, you know? So we started off playing Vegas in residency. Uh, loved, he loved how I did the Vegas. He asked me to come on the road with him and do EDC uh, Las Vegas, um, do uh, Edmund, what's it called? It was um, in Canada, uh, I forgot the name of the festival. Um, it was, uh, well, I did. Was uh, it Digital Dreams? No. We were, yeah, we did, did, we were supposed to do Digital Dream, but it got, it got rained and we did it some other venue, but there was another place in Edmonton, uh, es es Escapade maybe? the festival so we did a couple of festivals in, in canada but yeah uh digital dreams was supposed to be one of them but i think the rain was so bad we moved it to another venue and we did it there um uh did um edc las vegas i think orlando all, all different places so yeah so basically just he had me be one of his the djs that kind of went with him along with me digweed and a couple of other guys who were always like a staple at the car cox and trend stage so from there, just it was amazing, man. So it was like hitting around. I think we did that for two years, two three years, like right. nonstop. So the, the his Vegas tour was like every year. I um, mean, Vegas residency, and from the residency, we started hopping to all these different festivals. So it was it was really amazing time. And during that time, is there any any moment? I'm sure the whole thing must have been. I mean, this question is it's endless, but I'm sure all the moments were amazing. But was there any sort of anything that you can you know that you remember or like that was like a wow a hard type of thing or just the whole thing or anything well, from the tour from the touring tour, with uh, uh, Carl? Man, <laughs> it's just you know I can't just being on the Carl Cox and Friends stage. I mean. It literally the name meant that because everybody on that stage was friends. Like it was like, it was a family and it really felt warming. Like uh, just in, in general, like playing, like I'll give you an example, best example, we're closing up space at Visa with Carl. He had me stay at his villa along with me and Digweed. And, you know, we, he had ping pong tables, had a swimming pool. You know, we, we even like right before the big gig, you know, uh, we, we got, we, there's a lady that came to, you know, she gave, we got massage and everything like a full body, like uh, just getting loosened up for the big gig. It was just amazing, man. Like he's a very warm, good hearted person. And, and regardless of the fame, regardless of everything, he's just mm. so grounded. It's just like super cool, man. Like people, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain until people actually be around him and the vibe. And that goes for his management and his whole circle. The people that he surrounds himself with are the same one. They say, like, no ego, no nothing, just super, mm. super great people. And I think, out of, to go back to your question, the most, probably the most vivid memory or the most amazing thing was probably closing up Space Ibiza. So that was a, a huge memory of playing with him, having, doing his, you know, the final chapter and closing it out was the biggest, one of the biggest uh, highlights of my career. That must have been a magical experience. Now pivoting to uh, potentially post-pandemic, I know right now, uh, you know, we're in pandemic, I'm in Toronto, you're watching, we're both experiencing, you know, high, high case rates and all that stuff. Um, how have you dealt with it? You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a sensitive subject for all of us. We're all experiencing this. How have you dealt with it? Um, well, I, I guess I've dealt with it a different way than most people. You know, most people, they hunker down, uh, stayed, up the, stayed in, inside and just, you know, just 
wash their brain with just negative news and stuff. I, I completely did the opposite. I stopped watching the news. I stopped it in. I, I was outside all the time, not around people, but just outside me and nature, walking, biking, hiking, doing everything that the news at first told you not to do because, you know, I, it's just like, I, I go with my instinct, you know, I just like it, it. I know nature is always the cure and it's, it's you going to separate yourself from that. You know, we, we are a walking virus and we are, you know, we need these microbes in order to survive. So us trying to detach ourselves from what we are, is, it doesn't make sense. So not to get too political into it, I kind of detach myself from everything that's going on in the media. I dived full head into the music, you know, working on music, working on a new album. And between that and being outside, I just, I went into my own world and just kind of, you know, and so far so good. I can't complain. Just, I feel bad to some people, what happened to them and, and, and the things that happened to a lot of people. But I think, you know, also health plays a big factor in this as well. And you just kind of have to look after yourself. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, you. I follow you on uh, IG and you're always proactive. You're always doing things during this time. You never stop. You know, uh, I love it. It's like an inspiration for those. Uh, all your links will be in the, you know, uh, in the link in the description. Um, but for those who don't follow you, follow you, please go follow Saeed because his page is inspirational for, you know, producers and DJs. And if you're not either way, it's just inspirational. Go follow. Um, now, <clears throat> um, your Patreon page, I know it's you have amazing content and you uh, on your Patreon page is full of valuable content. Can you tell us what we can expect when we uh, sign up to your Patreon page? Yeah, so my Patreon, it's another thing to go back to your last question. The reason I created, obviously, you know, DJs like ourselves and uh, that lost a lot of work. Uh, obviously, I wasn't getting good for a whole year. So I'm just trying to find creative ways to make up for that lost income. So I launched this Patreon account. And I was like, okay, so I've got a library of music that never really went anywhere. And I, I, um, I have all these great ideas about, you know, one day I wanted to do tutorials for people to teach them how to produce. I, I never got around to it. I was like, look, this is the perfect time to kind of sit down and, and kind of do that. And I, I was never much of a teacher to begin with. Like I, when I produce, I even have a hard time having somebody just sit and watch over me in the studio. Like if I work with collab, <laughs> I, I just like, no, dude, I'll, I'll send you the project. Cause I, I don't, I don't do well with somebody just watching over my shoulder doing everything. I was like, so teaching a class with, uh, with uh, Patreon, I think it might be easier because I can film the stuff, pre-record it and upload it to whoever wants to watch it on Patreon. And it worked out beautifully. So it's like a lot of these guys, signed up for patreon which was uh, unbelievable signed up for the higher tier that i had because it offered these tutorials it offered music that were unreleased it offered uh edits my dj edits that i do privately for myself that i only play out and obviously not for them but it's like i'll take tracks that i feel i can do something with so I've, i gave them the edits as well and it, it just you know it's it's great content i also do once in a while live streams specifically for my patreon so I'll, I'll record a stream for them give them birthday shout outs uh do monthly shout outs for that so i make it super special so that they feel like they're getting the value for their money not only that they're getting tutorials they're getting uh edits or live sets or music that's not available online i want to give them my time as well so like they're free to answer any questions i if they're DJs, I mean, if they're producers and they have tracks that they want true, honest 
uh, feedback. I give them constructive feedback. I break down, hey, you should do this, take that out, add this, um, you know, scrap the projects, do with this, like complete, complete breakdown of how they should do that. And, and that's valuable information. And people, you know, they, they, they love that because it's like you're taking the time. You're not just be like, yo, we'll pass, you know, like a label will say, oh, we'll pass on this. This is more than just that. This is telling you what you can change it to improve it and maybe a label or my label will pick it up. So they get a lot of value out of it. And I think everybody that's on there has, I've actually not had a single person. Well, I've had one person drop, but he was having financial issues. I have, everybody else has stayed on since the beginning. And it's going to be running for, I think, a year now, my Patreon, because I started about this time last year with the pandemic. Are you planning to keep it post-pandemic? Is this something we can, uh, you know, expect to be there as well? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to keep it. Uh, I might uh, change a few things with the tiers um, because of now that, you know, I'm going to be back on touring and there's going to be some stuff picking up. It's going to be hard. I don't want to take too much from people's value for what they're paying and not give them what they what they get. So I might make some changes and make it very simplified so they can still get the music. They can get the older tutorials or new stuff, but... I'm not going to be on it like I used to be, but you know, it's, it's I mean, still good. I think if people enjoy it and they like the content, they'll, they'll stick around. Of course. Of yeah. course. And, um, let's, uh, let's pivot to, uh, you know, this is a question for myself. I, you know, you're, for me, you're one of a handful of artists who continues to top the tech house charts with consistent, uh, releases over a long period of time. Okay. So you have like, a uh, you have, a. uh, a super sonic fidelity with your with your music productions it's super dance floor friendly and yet it's cutting edge how do you maintain that sort of um to this day the the level of production value with your productions um i i just basically go with my heart man like if i if i feel like if i'm in the studio and i'm i'm working on a track and if i'm not feeling exactly the way it should sound and I'm, I'm basically creating something my, my mindset cannot be on what i think it's going to sell my mindset is going to be more on what i know i'm going to play and what i'm going to feel comfortable on, that it's going to sound amazing on the dance floor regardless of sale regardless of radio most artists will think about okay how am i going to be on number one on beat for that is the furthest from my mind when i'm making a track I'm making a track that I know I'm going to play, that I know I'm going to you know, enjoy hearing on a dance floor. And what I like is stuff that's like groovy, funky, and something that just locks you in a groove and just holds on and doesn't you know, let go. And with very minimal effort of changes, I think it, for me, it's, it's, it's a rhythmic thing. It's just like drumming, rhythmic drumming, doom, 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 doom. You know, it's, it's, it, it, gives, it does something to you and it just it builds and builds, but it builds on a different way. And, and for me, that's what my music is about. It's about simplicity, but that simplicity just works. And it, it brings your mind and body into a center and that just locks you into that groove. And when you're here on a dance floor and just, yes, it's repetitive, but it's a, it's, I can't explain, I can't put the word on it. It's an amazing repetitive of that. You're like, you're just itching for more, you know, type of feel. And that's, that's what I love making. It kind of hits you here and it's just like a marching, you know, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Uh, so now I just want to cut this and start producing, man. That's so inspirational. <laughs> inspirational. Okay, so let's jump to um, uh, Yunnan Music this year. What can we expect? Uh, I know you have an album coming. You've had releases. You just continue to, you know, pump them out. Amazing tracks. Can we talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah, so... Uh, the album, I mean, sorry, not the album, the label right now, we released a new series called Low Lit Division. Low Lit Division 
is focusing more on down tempo kind of stuff. Not not super down tempo, but it's like pitch down house. I like to call I like to call it slow burning house. Uh, Beatport calls it organic house. Mm. Uh, Track source calls it something else. It's different genres, but basically it's kind of pitch down house. Um, so Lola Division is another division of Yunnan Music now focusing on that genre, I mean, that, that style of music, very atmospheric, very deep kind of stuff. But as far as the label itself, my album Morph, which is coming out on May 28th, it's gonna be my first debut full length artist album. Um, now I've released albums in the past. I've done one on Star 69, uh, label in the UK called Tide Edit with me and Palash, some, some, uh, some stuff as a solo artist, but these, these albums were mainly comprised of either my tracks or remixes of other people that I've remixed for. So it's like, it's still my production, but it's, it's um, either a remix or a collaboration. This album is solely my production. I might, I might have a featured artist, like a singer or a collaboration, but the entire album is brand new tracks, all produced by me, uh, by my alias, the Deep Heart Project as well. So that, that's more on the meditative level. So that's gonna be in the album as well. It's 13 tracks and it's taking takes you anywhere from dance floor tracks to drum and bass to uh, down tempo to Afro house. It's got all range of everything that I love. So it's, it's like, I kind of want to show people like I'm not a one trick pony. I don't just, you know, do dance floor tracks. I, I can do it all. And, and I, I love I love all kind of music. And this album represents that represents who I am as a musician, as an artist and as a DJ. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. How long were you working on this project? It sounds like a passion uh, project or, you know. Yeah, it's uh, been uh, it's been uh, several years because some tracks were written earlier on and I, then I put them away because I had to focus on something else. Some I came back to, some I went back to a drive. I'm like, oh my God, I should have finished this. And I finished it just for this album. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not like a one sit down type of thing. Oh, this year I'm going to take off and work on the album. These tracks were made over time and been grabbed and reworked, refixed, brought in. And, and so it's, it's like, it's, um, it's a mixed piece of puzzle of everything. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, the oldest track on there, I would say I started it maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 2012 or something. Yeah. So that's probably one of, and I had put it away and be like, I'll work on this one. The time I, I, I'm always been the type that I don't, I don't like forcing anything. If it feels right, then I'm going to do it. And so some of these tracks, I didn't want to force. And when the time, I pulled it out, time for light, I had an idea, like, I got to finish this now. That's how I work. Anything, anything like uh, this experience, uh, you know, it's, it seems like it was a magical experience, but anything that you was, uh, something that popped up unexpected, whether it's, uh, you know, through the creative process or just the whole journey, anything that was like, you didn't expect, unexpected anything or... Um, while working on this project. while working on the on this album oh, that this you kind of didn't expect while working on this uh you know this uh, i know I you've expect, been i didn't expect i was gonna have 13 tracks on it <laughs> I, was, I was like my goal was eight <laughs> tracks and i'm happy right, right the more you produce the more you dig through like oh my god i need to finish this one. Oh my god i got this one i you know and the ideas just started coming man it's like so these projects like i'll save them the folder is there and I usually what I do when I produce, if I know I'm gonna put this the 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 track or the project away for a little while, I'll do a I call it a test bounce. So I'll bounce the track that way. If I go back to it, I don't have to open the whole project and listen to what I'm doing. I just go to that one MP3, the test bounce. I'm like, okay, this is the idea I'm working on. Okay, 
And as soon as I listen to that, I, I actually get ideas real quickly. So, okay, open up the project now. Start working on it. So the album went from eight, to eight tracks to 13 tracks uh, because of listening to stuff that I had. I like, I should have finished this. So, yeah, that, that's that's the one that thing unexpected. My goal was for an eight-track eight, eight album and turned out to be 13. So that's amazing. Awesome, awesome. And let's, let's, uh, let's talk about... Um, how you maintain longevity touring? Because you you know you've been touring the world, exotic locations for uh, forever, and at a high level. How do you maintain kind of your sanity? And we 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 all know what that kind of world is like, but yet you maintain that level of professionalism throughout. How do you do that? Is it innate? Is it a learned behavior? Like how do you pick up? Well, it's definitely a learned behavior. I mean, I, when I started this out, it was like, you know, full head, you know, full just partying, you know, going to the event, you know, uh, partying, drinking, whatever. I mean, I wasn't, I'm, I was never like a heavy drinker or anything like that. But after a while you realize, look, if I'm going to keep this going, it's going to take a toll, not only only physically, but on my, my profession as well. So you t tend to start kind of slowing down and kind of, okay, uh, I need to balance this out, not only with healthy living, healthy eating, but you know, if I want to last in this business, you gotta have to have a strong mindset about how to do it and what to do and what to, you know, what to avoid. And I, I learned pretty quickly that you know you have to pick your battles and you gotta know, you know, just if if you if you want to take this seriously, you need to focus and and be ready to you know take on the challenge of just like come in, do the work, do the best you can, do the gig, and then you know. Uh, get ready for the next show. Uh, you know, I, I do I, a lot of times now. I you know I do meditation in the hotel rooms before before the gig. Just to you know, I get a lot of anxiety, and you know, we spoke about that earlier. Like uh, the, the, I I worry about like things not being right at the venue. Whether oh man, what if the turntable? I'm not there's the CDJs aren't messed up. Blah, blah, blah. So I need to kind of balance myself. So meditation with that normally helps me. Uh, but yeah, just man, staying focused and staying, staying true to everything that I'm doing and knowing that at the end, you just have to be successful at it and be good at it as well. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's, that's, uh, there's value to that for, for all of us. Um, uh, what inspires you when you start a track and you kind of touched on it, but is, is there, is, uh, is there anything that really that, okay, I got to go sit down and make a track. Yeah, it's usually I, um, I'll I, after a show, like I will play somebody else's track and I'll layer it with something or another track. I'm like, man, this is this would be a good idea to go back in the studio. Before when I used to use uh, track, I used to actually do a lot of screenshots on my computer. Like if I'm playing two tracks together, I'll do a quick screenshot and be like, oh, I got to do something like this and remember. But now I just do a mental image. Uh, for me, it all starts from the from the club, playing at a club seeing how people react to a track. And then I just go back and be like, let me mix something similar to this and use that as a, a blueprint of the next thing I'm gonna do. So it's normally works out from a, a track that I've heard or a track that I think it could be done better or sound better. And I can do that by not mimicking it exactly, but using, like I said, use it as a blueprint and kind of work the, the foundation of it like that. Essentially, like uh, how bands back in the day, you know, they would uh, start a jam session in the garage, and then that would inspire and start recording, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's yeah. kind of I that mean, feel to it, right? Yeah, sometimes I have that. I just sit in the studio and just like maybe go through a sample library until I heard something good, and I'll throw it in. Uh, that sometimes the track starts off like that. 
but mid, like 99% of the time, I'll go in the studio with an idea already in my head of what I want to do. It's just a matter of taking it out of here and putting it into the DAO, you know? So, and that, that sometimes takes time. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, speaking of uh, DAWs, um, what's your studio setup like these days? I know it's evolved over the years. Can you share what, what's going on in your studio these yeah, days? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've always, I always say I'm a simple man with a simple plan. You know, so I, I'm all about simplicity. I, I use logic. I've always used logic. I have Ableton, and I refer to Ableton once in a while when I'm trying to do like quick edits and stuff for DJing. But for the full production, my DAO is uh, Logic for sure, Logic X, and um, I use everything pretty much uh, in the box. Uh, I have uh, you know a MIDI keyboard that I you know trigger everything off of. Um, I've got a couple of mics because sometimes I like to have people come in and do some like live playing. I had a guy play a sax the other day. He came in here. Um, I, I play like the didgeridoo sometimes and mm-hmm. record that. So I, I like to record a lot of live answers. So I'll have a couple of mics hooked up. I've got a vocal booth for a vocalist um, that I built right underneath my my basement uh, stair uh, step stairwell whatever. So that if you walk in under the steps, there's it's actually a, a vocal booth. That's it gets warm in there, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a vocal booth. Sound and warm as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a sound of sound of booth, vocal booth. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it works though, and um, uh, yeah. So uh, you know, I have a few plugins that I I refer to that I love that I use. I I, I like to keep it. For me, it's all about moving quickly because when you spend too much time on a track. Uh, almost 100% is going to end up in the trash bin. If you move quickly on a track, you, you keep it interesting and you stay interested as, as well. You stay very focused. So I, I'll, I'll divide my time in two pieces. I'll say half of the week, if I'm working on a project, half of the week will be dedicated to learning new plugins and figuring out how to use them. The other half of the week will be working on music, but only uh, work on plugins that I already know and I know how to boom, 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 change really quickly. And that's been working out great for me because I can, you know, finish a track a lot quicker, not worry about, oh, what is this button, dude? Oh, man, I just messed this up. And, you know, you know, undo, 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 undo and all that crap. So I, I avoid that and keep that on a different day. But when I work on music, I only work right with, with the plugins I, lo- I like and, and enjoy. Mm. And so essentially... <clears throat> Excuse me. You work in the box, or kind of uh, you have do you have, do you use outboard gear? Are you into that whole movement of uh, going back to analog outboard? Gear? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I you know what? I'm so limited on space, and like I said, it's like less is more for me. So I got rid of a lot. I had the Nord Lead. I had a Yamaha keyboard. I, I got. I had. I just got rid of all that. I needed to like during the pandemic i actually downsized so much uh, including some of my records i had a lot of doubles it's like i don't need doubles anymore you know i just need if i have one of the each record i'm happy so i got rid of a lot of doubles that i had i got rid of some of the outboard gears i made my studio smaller i i moved my office space for the label so just to to make it more feasible for me in the studio but having everything in the box in in my mac it just the work is a lot easier it's better especially when i travel some of the stuff i do i'm on an airplane so mm-hmm. like working on a on a track i have everything in my laptop and i just like okay pull up the project you know so do some fine tuning and the plugins are all there i don't have to wait to get home because i have an outboard that i have to plug in or so, so it just works for me so i'm not i i love trust me man i love my nord lead i love the vintage stuff but 
to me, it's all I, I like faster workflows, and I'm not I'm not a collector per se. Right. You know, I'm just you know I, I love the music, and I just like to use use what I have. Right, right. Do you have any favorite plugins that you could share uh, with us? Any go-to ones that you know every tracker uses plugin? Or... <laughs> well, you you mentioned about my, like my tracks having that certain you know sound, the war, you know the and my bass lines, man. Like that, that's probably the one thing I spend the most time when I'm working on a track is the how I'm gonna cater, you know, work on the bass line, find the right bass line, how to mold it and stuff. And I love going to uh, Rob Patton Patton's uh, plugins, uh, sub sub bass boom. That that one is oh man that's a mama, mama jamma right there. Yeah, I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's just dude, it's like you can, it's amazing. I love it, you know. It, it's almost like you put that plugin on and you really don't have to. Do, obviously, you do much to it, but you know you could just use a preset and Bob's your uncle. Yeah, and um, it's, it's such like, a good plugin. It is, and and, and the, the the way it's uh, the categorized the bases like the very like um, low end stuff to the mid range bases of. I mean, so man, I can if I hit the right bass and I my goatee will start shaking by the speaker. <laughs> like you don't hear anything. You just, this thing just vibrates. It's like, yeah. God, it's so dialed in, man. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, um, what do you have going on? Like uh, plans for um, maybe, I know you touched on in your Patreon, uh, you, you had planned to kind of, you know, tutor and teach, but do you, is there anything else if you have time for the future to help the younger generation with their music production anything any plans that we can look forward to when yeah. you have time yeah if, uh, i mean time will it's always going to time will tell of everything but i would love to start something and i'm kind of putting it in the works now of, of uh, like a djing vinyl djing and production school for kids wow. probably here in washington dc um and to you know help out the young generation especially with, i think the art of vinyl mixing has been lost. And I think kids, like the other day, I had my nieces and nephews here and I was, they've never seen a vinyl record, let alone music coming out of something you put a needle on. They were blown away. I mean, they're young kids, but they, you know, they, don't, they only know MP3s and digital music. They've never seen an actual phonographic record that, you know, that plays music. And to show that to kids, I think it's amazing and it kind of sparked a lot of energy. I was like, you know, if, to teach these kids about how the art of DJing actually began, would be an amazing way to kind of they probably have a new appreciation for music instead of this you know download spotify or playlists or whatever creating your playlist i think it will open up new doors new ideas for for music in itself and with the new younger generation right right uh we're gonna hold you to that we, we're gonna be expecting that uh i'm kidding uh, <laughs> okay so um uh one of the themes in this podcast is our relationship with technology. And so that, that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, um, what is, uh, what's your view on technology? I know you use technology all the time and all that. And how do you use it uh, as a tool rather than, you know, as a vice, let's say, you know, cause potentially, you know, you, you can, you could waste a lot of time on technology. You know, like are you talking about production? Or? Uh, just uh, you know, for in the studio and or just any technology, anything you want to talk about. Sorry for not being specific, but yeah, like anything relate because, like, essentially, even in the studio, you can get like you said locked into you know uh, a piece of gear, and then it takes you out of the workflow and or your IG, and you could just waste all your time on a Instagram kind of thing, right? Yeah, I would say, I mean, everything has. <laughs> place uh and you know social media is a great 
it's a double-edged sword in my opinion i mean you can really get lost in it and you can spend hours and next thing you know man i've been on you know instagram or facebook for an hour or two and not even realizing when you could be you know doing that if reading a book something as simple as reading a book you just have to i say you know use technology but don't let technology use you what i mean by that is just like use it in a way that it enables you to pursue a, you better yourself better your career you know your career whether it's music or something else you're doing but use it in a way where it's not controlling you of being on it all the time but it, to use it to help yourself and help others as well to kind of open up new doors new avenues and to understand different things i mean we it's it's great at this you know this time and age that we have what we have with google search and things like stuff that we didn't have when you and i were growing up probably and just to have it at the tip of your fingers and there's so much good you can do with that and not just get lost or bottled up with the negativity the the bad crap that you know especially stuff facebook throws at you in your news feed it just you got to learn how to navigate around that and just weed it out and really bring it bring forth the positivity the stuff that that can help you with the, with everything you do um instagram the same way you know it's, it's, it's such a great tool to promote yourself as an artist to promote something you care about it doesn't necessarily have to be music but it could be something you're passionate about whether it's like you know uh, uh, animal abuse or whatever it, there's so many you can use it for the right for the right reasons and you just got to have to you know stay focused on that and don't let things take you left and right on 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 any of that stuff well said thank you um <clears throat> now you spoke a few times about meditation um uh, do you meditate and do you have anything to speak to meditation and how it has helped you if it has helped you and uh, anything that you can share with us yeah i mean uh, i i used to um anxiety was very big big in my uh in everything i do my you know before showing up to a gig i used to have anxiety going to the airport dealing with tsa when 9-11 happened you know I, there was a, apparently a guy named Said on the terrorist list. So every time I went to the airport to try to fly somewhere, you know, I was always questioned. So anxiety was like complete part of my entire, uh, in my entire career since 1998. And I just, you know, I wish I discovered, you know, breath work, meditation, all that stuff a lot young, you know, a lot earlier in my years, but I discovered it maybe about a little less than 10 years ago maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, and I, I started really working on meditation. Before. It's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning before I go in the studio. I tend to work music, on music in the morning. I, I think it works for me, uh, waking up with a clear head and work on music. And I find that as I get older, it, it's been working a lot better for me. So what I do, my daily routine is like get up, do at least 11 minutes of just simple meditation, uh, you know, have whatever uh, cup of coffee and go down in the studio and work on music. Start with a clear headed, don't look at emails, don't look at anything, and then do it again right before I go to bed. Uh, that's been working out beautifully for me. It helped, like I was saying earlier, I do it when I go to a gig anywhere in the, in the hotel room right before the gig, it calms me down and relaxes me. Uh, I do a lot of breath work, the Wim Hof method I love, which I do a lot. Um, I, I do. Um, yeah, just, you know, just anything that kind of relaxes you and brings you kind of balance. And I think meditation and breath work are amazing tools that people just learn how to access it and not worry about, you know, well, I can't quiet my mind. Well, it's not about quieting your mind. It's just sitting 
and knowing that your mind can be quiet and that's 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 it so in closing um <clears throat> can we talk about uh may 28th anything else that you want to share regarding the album release well, where we could go find it where, where all that stuff as well yeah so may 28th the album will be available across all platforms spotify beatport track source amazon apple music if you want if you're a streaming person check it out but and i i hope i hope you guys follow me you know click that follow button on spotify or on the itunes just so you can get up to date because a lot of these tracks that are coming out on the album on the album they're going to be followed by singles and i've already got people remixing like hector koto Ido riso uh, uh pim um talking Talking to Harry Romero, he said he'll remix, so we're working on that as well. Uh, but yeah, so if you follow, you'll get updates on the remixes as well. Um, the So the, yeah, the album May 28th, available on all platforms, 13 tracks, all the stuff. If you really want to know who, who I am when it comes to music, uh, this is the album. There's Like I said, there's tracks on there where I actually did live uh, field recording. When I went out early in the morning, 5 a.m., recorded like the sound of nature as it wakes up, and it's behind one of the tracks on here, and it's just, and it's got, it's it's a very very emotional track and very personal to me as well. So it's a track called Booty on there, which is was also produced under my Elias the Depart project. So the album is a complete of who I am right now, and it represents everything that I that I feel musically. Said. So it was truly an honor. Thank you for doing this. I know you have to run. You're a busy man. This is a Techno Shaman's podcast. Let's communicate sacredness. Let's build sacredness and let's share it and spread it.